Welcome to the Just Ingredients Podcast. I'm Cara Lynn, and here we talk all things nourishing to the mind, body, and soul. This is a place where you can find just good ingredients to life. I am always looking for a great gift idea, and Coconut Personal Lubricants are always a huge hit for your partners and the perfect Valentine's Day gift. If you're making clean ingredient swaps, it is so important to make sure you are getting quality ingredients that are good for your body, inside and out. Coconut oil and water-based lubricants have the healthiest ingredients list I've seen. They use all natural ingredients, are cruelty-free, made in the USA, and their packaging is plastic-free. For an exclusive discount code, head to coconut.com. That is coconut without the T. And use code CARALYN15 for 15% off your order. That's K-A-R-A-L-Y-N-N-E-1-5. My code stacks with their on-site discounts. So order today and thank me tomorrow. Phil Cowley, also known as Phil's My Pharmacist, to his 1.7 plus million followers on TikTok and Instagram, has over 20 years of experience in pharmacy, and he owns and runs Cash Valley Pharmacy in Logan, Utah. He is passionate about educating people on how to make informed decisions about their health and well-being. He is known for his ability to make even the most complex medical information accessible and entertaining. Phil's videos on TikTok and Instagram cover a wide range of topics from OTC hacks to common health concerns and healthy living. He's making pharmacists cool again. Welcome back to the show, everyone. Today, I am really excited for my guest because I have been following him for the last few months. And you guys, if you do not follow him, you're missing out because he is hilarious to watch, but so funny and entertaining to watch, but also so educational at the same time. And so today we have Phil, and I know him by Phil, my pharmacist, because that's what he is on social media. So welcome to the show, Phil. Well, thank you. I've been so excited. I've been waiting the whole time. I've been waiting for Star Wars days to get here so we can get here. You know, May the 4th here, so we can now go. I'm excited. We can now go. That's right. Will you just tell my listeners a little bit about yourself and how you got started in all of this? So, well, I guess we'll, we'll talk just a little bit about pharmacy and then I'll move to social media. Is that all right if we do Perfect. it that way? Because yep. they lead together, so you can't. So I came up to Logan, Utah to go to school. And originally I was going to be a doctor. That's, that was, that was my original plan. And so um, I went to Korea on my, my mission. And when I was up here, I had a Korean student ask me if I would tutor him. I tutored him, but he didn't really want to be tutored. What he wanted is he wanted the answers to the test the next day because I would take it the day before him. So when, one day I just decided I wasn't going to do that. And to make up an excuse, I was going to go get a job. And so I went and got a job as a delivery driver at Little Caesars. And I walked through the door and as soon as I swung the door open, boom, there was my wife standing like on the other side of that. She was checking the schedule. She was right there. Oh, funny. And so when I, <laughs> so once I met my wife, I walked through the door and that's the reason why I started at Little Caesars, met, met my wife there. And once I met my wife, I realized that a doctor's life with all the debt and everything may not be the way I wanted to go. So, you know, as a normal Utah marriage, six months later, there we are married and in a different city and, you know. <laughs> And so I was, we walked into the pharmacy one day and I was talking to the pharmacist and I decided that we, I'd become a pharmacist. And that's how I got started to be a pharmacist. Huh. So I was all ready to go into medical school. But we, when I was getting ready to finish pharmacy school, I had a friend who runs a store in American Fork tell me I should run my own store. And I thought he was crazy. 
And I probably was right. Looking back, I probably <laughs> shouldn't have done that. <laughs> it's been quite the ride. So I started, so he convinced me to start my own store. And so I, I walked out pharmacy school the very I took my last final. And before I even took my test to become a pharmacist, I signed a lease up here in Logan. Wow. So I totally jumped off the cliff. So for the next 20 years, we build our little pharmacy up here. Me and my wife, we had four kids. And anybody who runs their own business will relate. You give up everything to keep that business going. Right. It's hard. It's a lot of work. And so we missed, I, you know, my kids didn't play a lot of sports. Um, we didn't go on a lot of vacations. I was on call a lot. And then 2020 came and everything crashed because we were inside of a, we were inside of a hospital and out in front was a test Utah station. So every other pharmacy was making a lot of money with the testing and the shots. We uh, actually never did any shots at all because there was a test Utah site out in front that would do the shots mm. and the testing. So I watched my business start to tank around me and I looked at my kids and, and that's when your dad's remorse kicks in. You know, you look yeah. at him, you think I should have done everything different. I wish I would have. And I saw the business really, like, I think we were down to probably six, nine months and I would have had to close the doors. Wow. So now from the generation I'm from, we always hid from attention. So to that point, I would never even thought to go on social media. Like, I, I don't know, maybe I'm the only one, but the goal was not to be seen when I was growing up, you know, uh -huh. <laughs> you get away with a lot more with, if your parents don't know what you're up to. So true. So, but I looked at it, I said, okay, it's time to do something different. And so what we did different was is I, I, I got invited to go do a, an athletic shoot. It was for a gym up here. And they needed, my neighbor called up and he said, hey, um, we need somebody in your demographic. And I said, you mean like an old guy who still can move? And he goes, yeah, that's it. That's so, funny. so I went down and we had this group with us, which their name was Clout Local. And that's who we started with. I now do my own stuff, but Clout helped a lot at the beginning. I said, well, maybe I get a thousand followers. And then I went on and, and I just, as soon as the turn, camera turned on, I'm old enough. I just don't care. Like, I just was me. Yep. And they were really surprised. Like, I wasn't trying to be anybody else. I'm like, who am I going to be after 50, you know, 47 years? So, and then it, it started to take off. And what really changed it was I started getting all of these messages from these mostly moms hmm. who felt alone, who felt like they didn't have answers. And I would just say something in a 60 second reel and it changed. I'm like, well, you could do that much good in 60 seconds. Like I would just tell people, yeah, everybody's kids messed up. Quit worrying about yours. Like all of them have anxiety right now. All of them have this. And you would get these messages and it changed, it changed my outlook. Like I started thinking, well, what if you could do something really good, not just raise your kids, which is really good and not just, you know, love your spouse, not just bring cookies to neighbors. But what if you had this little opportunity to do something even if it's just this little and it probably will fail, what if you had that chance and you didn't take it? And so, so I dove in. So now I spend twice as much time at work because I'm doing my regular job and I'm doing this. And that's kind of the long end of the story. And that's a long story. I probably should answer it shorter. But. Well, I find quite often here, uh, my guests, they have a hard time in life or some trial happens in life. And then that ends up being a blessing because they work their way out of it somehow and do something different. And that's what has happened to you. 2020 was hard and you found a different way out. And now hopefully you're being blessed for everything that you're doing because you are educating a lot of people and helping a lot of people. So thank you for what you do. But maybe you think, I don't think character comes without trial. True. That like is as much sure. as you'd love to have character without, but. That is true. Un unfortunately, unfortunately, I guess you could say.
Absolutely. <laughs> okay, well, I'm going to delve into our topic. We're going to talk about summer stuff and all the things for the summer. But you guys, this is sort of fun. Phil does everything different. If you watch his videos, they're like no other pharmacist out there. So before we started the show, he said, I want you to ask your very last question first. So if you guys have listened for a while, you know that the last question is always, what do you find to be the best ingredient in life? And so Phil, you're my first guest. Be asked this first. So what is the best ingredient in life for you? Oh, I, sorry to mess everything up. It's just I think I, I read all the questions and I can answer all the questions 100 times over. But, but if somebody understands why, uh, if they can understand what's inside of you, they respect what you have to say, even if they don't agree with it. Mm. And so yesterday I actually went for a run because that question, all the rest of your questions are easy. I can answer those all day long. They're, all the rest of them are easy. This one, I, I went for a long run and I, I came up with a memory when I was about nine. We moved from Green River, Wyoming to Pleasant Grove there in Utah County. And I had no friends. I used to hide in the corner between two couches. There was this little, the couches would butt together and you could see through the corner, but my mom couldn't see me when I came through. And I remember sitting in that corner and I feeling alone and scared. And I would hide because my mom wanted me to go out and see other kids. And I remember that was probably the first time I, I struggled a little bit with self-worth because I was so young, but I didn't think anybody would want me around. Hmm. I've never found any success in life without believing in myself, without loving myself. And I don't mean that like in a selfish way, because most people that are selfish or most people who have narcissism, they don't really love themselves. But if you look at it and say, I have something to give to the world, everybody around you likes you. So I think the most, the, the ingredient I would say is you have to accept yourself for exactly who you are. At one point I had to decide that if I ran into my nine-year-old self again, I'd give him a big hug and say, thank you for processing that. Thank you for, for going through that. But for a long time I was, I was kind of embarrassed of that little kid who was scared and afraid and didn't have confidence. But now I'm like, that's the best thing that ever happened was I had to learn that whoever I was, was enough for me. I love that so much. I don't think any guest has really talked about that as the best ingredient and I can relate so well. So something about me, I was voted in junior high as the most shy student at the school so I, same thing, would hide and didn't want to be out and about and things like that. But it helped me become who I am today because now I can chit chat and talk to anyone. But I had to figure out my self-worth and had to love me for who I am. So I love that. Thank you. No, you bet. I want to hear yours too. So one, I have to go back and find your 100th episode so I can listen to yours because I want to hear yours as well. There so. you go. It's hard to come up with just one. That's for sure. Okay, with summer coming, I want to ask you about summer things because I get a lot of DMs at this time of year about things. And so we're going to ask the pharmacist all the things. But let's actually start with bug spray. So what should people look for and maybe avoid in bug spray? Bug sprays are tricky because the more they work, the more that they're toxic. So it, a lot of times it depends on what kind of where you're at and how bad the bugs are. So Outside our back porch there, there's enough mosquitoes that you're going to get eaten alive. So I, as much as people hate the word DEET, I, where we're at, I'd rather have just a touch, just a little bit of DEET. Uh, your off has like a 30%. And the reason why we do it where we're at, because if not, we'll have 45 bug bites in like 10 minutes. If you're in a low zone, someplace where there's not nearly as many, or you don't want to use DEET on your children, there's a lot of the, what a lot of them have 
different lidocaine type substances to it, whether it's clove oil or something like that. Now, lidocaine is toxic to bugs. So they'll have something really lightweight that's in the local anesthetic family. And that's going to be the other side. And then you can always go with the natural ones, which are like the citronellas. And I like the citronellas. I just don't find that usually somebody who's reaching for a bug spray is going to find a lot of relief from the citronellas. So I would use them. But if you've got a little kid who may react to it, because if you get somebody who starts reacting to bug bites, the, the, the reaction of the immune system is absolutely killer over time. So it's a hard decision to make. So I would start with the citronellas. And then for someone who you know you're going to eat alive, just, just a little bit of D. You don't need to go too heavy. And, and you're off, the off 30 is the one that I really like the best, but there's one out there that's made by Bullfrog and it's hard to find. And it's got the sunscreen and the, um, and that one I really love because it's like $7. I put it on my kids. It lasts longer than everything else. It doesn't give them any of the weird taste in their mouth. So I know it's not getting absorbed really well. And so I really like that Bullfrog one, but I just can't find it very often. Interesting. Yeah, I know there's different types of bug spray. And it really does come down to location, I think, because in my neighborhood, we don't get very many mosquitoes at all. So for me, it'd be pointless to use the DEET ones. Like there's just no need. Right. But if I'm going to an infested area, for sure. Also, it depends on the person, I think, as well, because mosquitoes don't like me. I never get mosquito bites, but my poor son gets eaten alive by mosquitoes. So why is that? Do you know? Um, so that it has to do with, there's three different things they look at. So I get eaten alive like your son and, and I'm a, I'm a sweaty Teddy. Like I put out a lot of heat, a lot of heat. And so there's a pheromone that is put out that they believe is there, but that one's harder to chase, but there's a pheromone. Certain people smell better than others to the book mosquitoes. And then it's at the amount of heat that you put out is the second thing. So if you have somebody who's really active and running around, they're going to collect those bugs really fast. So when we go to like youth activities that I like to stand around the kids that have been running and not around the ones that haven't because of the difference. Oh, and then they, the funny thing is, is the way that mosquitoes will stay away from people that have had chemotherapy and things like that. So that part I don't understand, but it's a lot of people will have chemotherapy and never get another bug bite their life. Huh? There's a lot of um, theories out there. It yeah. Like. There, there's a lot, there's a lot of theories out there. So but I feel for your son. Tell him I feel for him. It's, it's <laughs> terrible to be the one that everybody's watching to see if the mosquitoes are out. So as soon as you start slapping yourself, you know, it's time to go in. So. Exactly. Well, sometimes I think it's genetic also because my husband gets eaten alive. So that would be where the pheromones may play in. And that's what they're thinking. But I, that I don't like I said, I studied it a bunch because I got tired of getting eaten alive and decided that I was just going to wear more. So that's what you said, though. Like for me, I put on that heavy deep. My wife won't touch it, but she doesn't need it because she doesn't get eaten alive. So right. but for me, I'm spraying myself down because I'm just tired of getting bit. Right. OK, let's talk about another thing in um, the summer. So here in Utah, it gets really dry. My kids get nosebleeds a lot of times. What's your suggestion for that? So the nosebleed sacred is we do a lot of canyoneering. I get a lot of dry noses. So if you take Afrin, now Afrin, you're not supposed to use it for more than three days in a row, but we're talking about a nose that is currently bleeding. And so if you go to the ENTs that are upstairs from me, they will take Afrin and they'll pack it in gauze and they'll shove it up the nose. They'll stop it up every single time. doesn't matter what, well, sometimes they have to get aggressive because they have anticoagulation stuff, but keep Afrin around and then take gauze. And if it's a boy, you always have to use a tampon just because you have to. If it's a boy to <laughs> shove it up their nose, it's mandatory. Wrestling coaches taught me that it has to be. But take gauze and you soak it inside of the afrin. If you put that up the nose, then it'll, it'll stop the bleeding. But because it's so dry, as soon as you're done with that, go find some aloe, 
some aloe vera and keep the aloe vera up the nose routinely so they don't get as many um, nosebleeds. So the aloe vera works really well to keep everything moist. And because it's water soluble, you won't get the issues of ruining the cilia. So a little aloe goes a long ways up the nose. That's really interesting. I actually have never heard that. You guys, this is what I'm talking about on his TikTok and Instagram. He'll give these little weird tidbits that you're like, oh, that's easy enough. I've never heard of that. I can do that. Um, look at the back of a lot of the uh, solutions that are made for the nose that are gel. You'll see the aloe vera is like about the fourth ingredient down. So I'd like to say it's mine. I just read the back of the boxes. So Well, you did more than I did. Uh, that's really interesting. Okay. Talking about aloe vera, a lot of people use aloe vera in the summer especially after burns, right? I mean, that's why they do use it. So thoughts on aloe vera? I really like aloe vera. Um, the problem with aloe vera is, is that it initially, most of the aloe vera you'll put on will feel good when you put it on, but it'll dry out that the skin even more because it, it goes from dry. If you're, I don't know how it is other places, but here in Utah, everything dries out. It doesn't matter what you put on you, it dries out. Mm -hmm. So once it dries out, the aloe vera originally gives you more liquid, but then the aloe vera stays on and it'll start to suck the moisture from your skin. So in Utah, I actually have a, a recipe that I give everybody and it uses a little bit of lidocaine, a little bit of aloe vera, and then we just put just a little bit of aquaphor in there. And the nice thing about the aquaphor, when you mix the three together, is the aquaphor makes a barrier so your skin won't give that moisture back, but you still can push it in. So I really like the, the combination here. I do like aloe vera. And aloe vera feels so good when you first put it on. But I think that if you mix it with just a little bit of aquaphor in a dry air climate, that you'll, you'll, you'll see your skin rebound quicker. Oh, that's interesting. So we um, sell a, we call it a face serum, but it's a jojoba oil basically with some frankincense in it. And I swear by it for burns. It Absolutely. just does so well. Absolutely. So you're talking about a short chain to alcohol that's in that, that, that oil <laughs> and and then that oil is it's cool because it's a branch chain, so it kind of twists. And so it holds things in place and it allows you to take moisture and keep it where you need it to be. Because that skin on the top's dead. Like everybody thinks you're, you have to wait for the skin underneath to push through. Mm -hmm. So what we're doing is making sure that that skin on the top doesn't dry too much. When skin dries, it pulls apart and that makes cracks. So those cracks take longer to heal. So what you're doing with your, with your oil is it stays right on top so that that top layer won't crack on you and allows that skin underneath to come in faster. So I think it's smart. Interesting. I'd endorse it. Oh, thank you. <laughs> okay. Let's talk about maybe some things you would find in a first aid kit. Every mom in the summer has a first aid kit, correct? Every, everyone does because there's going to be bug bites and scrape knees and everything else. So what would you recommend moms put in their first aid kits? Well, you'll need some Benadryl in there because sooner or later, somebody's going to get an allergic reaction to something. And a little bottle of Benadryl goes a long way. I love zinc oxide. And the reason why I like zinc oxide is if you take zinc oxide and you mix a little bit of a double antibiotic with it and put it on a skin knee and it stays on. Because the problem you have with the little rugrats are you put something on those little kids and like three minutes later, they've wiped it all the way off and they're running around again and it didn't do you any good. So I love zinc because zinc makes everything stick to where it needs to be. So you can add your antibiotic in there. You can put a little bit of lidocaine and then they get stung by the bee. You put the lidocaine and zinc and you rub over the top. The zinc will take care of the microbial. The, uh, it's got an antimicrobial component to it. So it slows the growth down of everything and it protects the skin too. So zinc, so you could mix it with just about anything you want to stick onto a child because they just don't want to stop. 
I would put a little bit of a lidocaine. Now, the reason why I like lidocaine is, is most of the injuries your kids will get at home. They hurt right now, but if you can get them over the first 10 minutes, the hornet bite's not so bad. The you know, skin, knee's not so bad. You have to be careful with lidocaine because you don't want to put on more than about 5% of the body. So don't be slathering all over a road right. rash across the right. back. But you can get a 4% lidocaine that comes in a cream base and it costs you 7 or $8. And every time your kids get a bee sting, skin, knee, just about any, even sunburns, when they're real bad across the shoulders, they'll drop it down to half percent and you can mix it yourself. Um, you've got your double antibiotic ointment that you want in there for sure. The Afrin will come in handy because everybody's going to see a bloody nose sooner or later. I, you know, if you took those, that's going to be the beginning of what I tell everybody to get. And you're about $25 worth of cost. If you just get all of those, you can go to any grocery store, just pick them all up. They're all sitting there waiting. Um, you'll have your band-aids and, and your gauze. And I'll let you choose on your own on that because my kids just dig out all the band-aids and I never can find them out of the first aid kits anyway. So. That's true. That is true. <laughs> okay. Well, good to know. With summer being right around the corner, let's actually talk about sunscreen. But there is sunscreen on the market. There is also sunblock on the market. Is there a difference between the two? Yeah. So sunblock has, there's only two ingredients you have to look for if it's sunblock. If it's got zinc or titanium, it's a sunblock. And what the sunblock does is when the UVA and the UVB braids come down, and UVA is the more dangerous of the two. So we're looking for zinc. Zinc is blocks that UVA. It actually takes the sun, the light from the sun, and it bounces off the surface of the skin. For, so for those that have melasma issues, that's a huge deal because there's no heat exchange in a sunblock. That's that's the big jump there. The other thing that I like about the sunblock is there's no absorption. Oh, so okay. because there's no absorption with the sunblock, because it sits on the top, we use it down to a younger age and don't care. Okay. I mean, I think they, they say down to about six months, but I, it's just not absorbed. If you'll put desitin on the baby, you can put sunscreen on the baby because you're talking about the same the same active ingredient, which is the zinc. The zinc. Yeah, zinc is the way to go. And the problem, the thing that people didn't like about the zinc is it used to make that really tasty white color. But, you know, I mean, we're living in a day and age where, I don't know, I swear about every second person that walks in my store from the dermatologist have skin cancer. Maybe it's time we get over the, the pasty white thing and let the kids, you know. So I really like the sunblocks. The sunblocks bounce it off. Sunblocks stick on a little bit longer in most cases but that's only if they have the pasty white. When you use the lighter sunblocks, they come off faster because they've used what they call it nano, but it's not really, but they just, it sounds cool and they put nano on there. But in those ones, it's, it's, they've made the zinc so small that it washes off easier. So, but a nice pasty zinc will stick on longer. Um, there are some concerns about the titanium because titanium now is um, on the list of things that can cause toxicity. Hmm. But if you eat Skittles, because yeah, they have no. titanium dioxide in them. <laughs> they then do. You've already made your choice on titanium, which I love Skittles. So maybe I'm the wrong person to ask on this. But there's a titanium in a lot of things and they've, they've linked it. So some people um, are starting to stay away from more titanium. And there's really no reason you have to have titanium in your sunblock. You could just go with zinc and not even worry about it. And that's what most of your face creams will have. It's just straight zinc. They'll put that on instead. Sunblocks. I mean, sun, um, sunscreens. Now, sunscreens, that's going to be your, your, like your homoslot, your, uh, your salates and your benzones. So you have avobenzone, octobenzone, and then you've got homosalate and all the, the ones that end with salate. And what those will do is they take the sun's rays 
And when the sun's rays hit your skin, it tweaks it and turns the UVA and UVB into heat. But only avobenzone will block UVA. And UVA is the one that creates the most heat, and heat leads to melasma, which leads to pregnancy, mustaches, and whatever else you want to call them, those spots. And so, and sunscreens are absorbed, and they don't know what that means yet. They just know that if you put sunscreen on now, you can check three days later, and they can still find that it's in your system. So some people don't like the idea of that. I don't know what that means yet, so I don't really want to pass judgment one way or the other. But... You know how it goes. Yeah. Okay. That's really interesting because I think the general public just calls them all sunscreen. I yes, yeah. I do. I'm always like, oh yeah, this is the sunscreen I recommend, or this is the sunscreen I like. So really, the ones I like are sunblocks. So I should be saying this is the sunblock I like. I looked up the top fifty sunblock sunscreens. I went through like all the different beauty magazines, and I and I looked them all up to see if there were some commonalities. It's just, they all love zinc. Every now and then, if you have somebody who has a very dry complexion that doesn't struggle with acne, but has dry skin, then your sunscreens are better. Sunscreens, they put it in the oil. So everybody that cooks that has done an emulsion where you put, there's an oil in a water phase. But so sunscreens go into the oil phase. So they'll be stickier and they'll stay on for the kids when they get to a certain age because they'll just be in that sticky silicon phase of the, of the solution. Where most your sunblocks, because they're minerals, they go in the water phase. So anybody who's worried about acne, which is most people I find with their makeups, things like that, the last thing they want is more a, a heavier, greasy bottom because then they struggle. Not wearing a lot of makeup, I have to take the words on people because <laughs> I haven't ever put on base. But so that's that, that's some of the differences there. And so it depends on your complexion and where you live. But I do know because it's in the oil phase, a lot of people don't like it because when you sweat with a sunscreen, not a sunblock, it really drains down. And so people don't like it because they have to reapply. That makes sense. Okay, so with the sunblocks, are you being blocked from the UVA and UVB or just the UVA? <laughs> You can be blocked from both, both at UVA and UVB. You have to make sure that it's it's formulated in a way. And they'll say if it's UVA and UVB on them. Most of them will say it. So it has to be formulated in a way that it'll block both of them. But it's uncommon for them not to do that because they've all moved so heavily into the zinc products. When you use your powders, I know one of the questions that we're powders, the, the only thing you have with powders is distri- distribution. Because powders, if you don't distribute it every place, you'll get patchy spots where you don't. Right. Oh, I got a story out actually, because you were, I was actually thinking about this. My wife is religious about putting on sunscreen. As you can tell, I, I, I probably need to be better about doing it because I don't like running with it, but he's just religious. She puts it all over her chest and her face. And so the, but the stuff she puts on her chest is different than the stuff she puts on her face. So about midsummer every year, she's like complaining because she's so good about putting right here on her neck. She doesn't want that dark neck. Mm -hmm. And she says, I'm tan, I'm tanner than I've ever been. And so I look at it and her, her sunscreen doesn't have avobenzone on it. And so avobenzone is the only sunscreen that'll block UVA rays. So if it doesn't have avobenzone on it, you're still letting the UVA rays go through pretty well, but her stuff for her face all has zinc. So her, her face stays nice and white, but her chest right here, gets all of the heat and that heat brings the melanocytes up. So she gets all the color, even though she's really good about putting sunscreen on. So it took a while for me to, well, 
I should have looked earlier when she asked me the first time I didn't pay a lot of attention. So. Interesting. Okay, but you just said that avobenzene is the only one that blocks UVA, but zinc does. Yeah, I'm sorry. The only sunscreen. The oh, sun blocks, sunscreen. dude. Oh, oh, I'm gotcha, sorry. I should gotcha. have. I didn't. I didn't go. It's only of the 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 sunscreens that block okay. UVA. Gotcha. And so you want to make sure that avobenzone is in your product. It doesn't. If it's not there, you want to make sure zinc's there. If you don't have zinc or avobenzone, you're kind of wasting your time. And I always recommend the zinc. I love the zinc. I don't love the avobenzene, so. I don't either. We'll, we'll recommend you. the zinc. So find the zinc ones. But Anytime I, you put something on and you can taste it before you even, you know, you can, like if anybody's who ever wore sunscreen, they don't even have to get it close to their mouth and they can taste it. That always makes me think, okay, what's going on here? If I, it's already in my, you know, in your if body. I've already recognized it's in my body. Exactly. But I also don't wear enough sunscreen. And anybody who does like it, I would never, I would listen to them anyway, because there are some good, well, I'm big on not excluding, you know what I mean? I think everybody's got something to give, but I don't like them because they taste funny. And I think that they, and I think that they stick on. I really don't like the spray ones because every time I put them on, I don't put them on well enough. My kids come out red anyway. So Get burnt somewhere. Yeah. Yeah. I always do a poor job. <laughs> I know. And my kids try to spray themselves too. And it's always a mess. They're, you know, polka dotted and spotchy throughout their whole body. So, but you throw that zinc on them and they, you, they look like little snowmen for a while. So you know where you hit and didn't. So there, there's some better brands. I feel like these days that aren't being so white, but yeah, I kind of like the white with the little kids though. Cause then I knew what I missed, you know, that's they true. don't care. That's true. <laughs> okay. Let's talk SPF though, of these sunblocks, because I know a lot of people, well, actually let's just hear your thoughts. What is SPF and is there really a difference between 50 and a hundred? It's all about how often you apply it. I think the hundreds are, are misleading because people put on a hundred and they think, oh, I'm covered. I don't have to put it back on again. And I think that they, that there's a correlation between SBF and now I'm, and, and confidence. We'll call it that SBF and confidence. There's a combination there. And I don't like that confidence because if you really want to be covered, you'll go through one three ounce bottle of sunscreen by yourself in four to six hours. Like, You'll have to bring, you almost, these people like I've had this sunscreen all summer. It's done me so good. I'm looking at it to get it's done you enough. And if you've got one bottle, it's, you know. Right. Um, and so I think the problem with the, anything over 50, I think as long as you're on 50 and you're reapplying and reapplying is the key there. I think you're, you're very safe. You go to the hundreds, you probably get a little, you get more coverage, but I just think it brings this false confidence of I don't have to put it on as often. And then they end up getting in more trouble. And the difference between a 50 and a hundred actually is not that much. It's like a 1% difference. It's not double the amount of protection, which you would think going from a 50 to a 100. No, absolutely. You're absolutely correct there. It's not like they, it's not thicker. It doesn't last longer. There's nothing. It's just, they just add a little bit more to put a bigger number on there. And, and I, that's the reason why. And it, it, a lot of it has to do with cost too. Like part of it is I have to find a sunscreen that people can afford. So they'll buy six bottles instead of one bottle. I can find you a really good one, but if it's $90, you don't even want to use it because it's like gold. So Right. And tell them what SPF means. What part of the sunblock is the SPF? It's been a while. So it's the it's the sun protection factor, I believe is how I think that's what the SPF stands for. And I and and what that has to do is it they take the amount of ways that is blocked over a period of time. And I don't remember the exact period of time, but I swear it's only like 45 minutes. Like it's super short that they have to test it for. And then they, from that, they see the amount that is of the UVA and UVB rays have been blocked in that time period. And so the SBF is cool because it gives this number and we feel good about it. But the base that the sunscreen comes in sometimes 
comes to play way more than the actual SPF. I can get a 30 that will last four, two to four hours. That'll be way better than a hundred that melts off somebody's face the first time they start sweating. So there's a combination of knowing what you're putting on and, and how good it sticks as much as there is SPF. Okay. Good to know. So let's move on to another topic. It sort of has to do with sunscreen and sunblock, and that is melasma. This is a pain for some women in the summer, the hotter months. So let's start at the basics. What is melasma? So our, our skin's made of keratinocytes. That's, that's the type of cell they are. And inside certain keratinocytes, they've got these little sections of pigment and their melasma zones. And those are created when the sun hits with UVA and UVB, they get heated up. And that tells our body that we need more melas uh, more melanin, melanocytes, sorry, they're melanocytes. And the more melanin you have, that protects us from the sun. So that's how we used to make it so we didn't burn all the time. But it's actually the heat from the UVA, I mean, the UVA and UVB rays that create increases the size and quantity of those. And then estrogen and progesterone somehow bounces those up even higher. And I've read about six articles, and most of them agree on the fact that it's mostly estrogen. Hmm. And that increases the reactivity. And then when, when the sun hits and we get warm, remember it's the heat, not the rays, that kicks in that, and they take tyrosine, and it turns in and increases the amount of melanin that we have there in, in the area. So okay. when we look at melasma, the melanin is what we want to stop from creating, and we get this memory within our skin. So any place where you've been tan, you tan faster again because we have that already in waiting, and those, those, those cells, the melanocytes, they're ready to go, and so they'll expand really rapidly in areas where we've, when we thought we were 18 and it was cool to get super tan, now all those areas will be ready to go, and, and they use lysine to turn tyrosine into, into the actual pigment itself. And so when you start getting, you get them a lot on the mustache here, you get some on the face there. Women, it really affects women more. And I think it has a lot to do with the grouping because of the way that the SBE3, the estrogen, it's the, it's the S-trial, reacts during pregnancy because it changes our, our cells in our face. And so once you've got them there, now every time you get out in the sun, boom, they're right back. Fortunately, in the last two or three years, they've started looking at the interaction between slowing the growth of the melasma zone. And so there's some new products out there that will, if you're ahead of the game, you don't have to go, because it used to be traditionally all you do is put something on it to, to lighten that area. Right. And have you ever, have you ever seen the people that like they have the raccoon eyes because they put it every place, but then the pigment around their eyes, they can't get because it's too toxic. So then they get like the glasses. Right. Yep. That used to be the only choice, but now if you start early, you can stop that from occurring. And this is the perfect time of year for people to start early on making sure they don't get the congregation of the melasma sites and the so, melanocytes. Okay. So what is that, that they would be looking for? So transazamic acid, uh, traditionally transazamic acid was used to stop bleeding. That's because it interacts with lysine, which is an essential amino acid. But the Koreans, because the Koreans are like way into skincare, anybody that looks at skincare, they're way into it. A few years back really started pushing on it. And they found that the light that uh, transazamic acid slows the interaction between the keratinocytes and the melanocytes. So it stops the keratinocyte turning into a, a melanocyte. So that changes regular skin from turning into pigmented skin. It slows that down by changing the way they work on tyrosine. 
So you can get products. I actually grabbed one because I was trying to figure out what else was in it. Products like this one that has transamic acid and kojic acid, if you put that on earlier, it'll stop those from occurring at all. So then at the end of the year, you're not trying to get rid of the pigment around your, your mustache that you're starting to grow or the little spot here. So, so the transamic acid is really key on this, uh, this time of year. So people would put it on daily. Is that right? Yeah. If you take just a little bit of something like that, you wouldn't even need very much. And whatever moisturizer you're using already, just mix it just a little bit, like half and half and oh, okay. put it on when you've been in the sun and when you're going to be in the sun the day before, then that'll slow the lysine from being able to create the pigment. Because, sun, so, because sunblock doesn't help because it's not a UVA, UVB rate issue, right? It's a heat issue. It's a heat issue. So sunblock, if you put enough sunblock on, so if you went around with enough zinc that two people could see you across the crowd, then you would block all of it and you wouldn't get warm. You wouldn't get that heat. But if you're using sunscreen, you're probably not slowing it down at all because by the time the sunscreen does anything, it's already under the skin. And so your, your melanin is going to already be congregating at that point. So if you don't, if you have a problem with melasma, you better be using a sunblock. And I would say with that sunblock at night in your night routine, I would just get a little bottle of some transamic acid and just put a little bit in there. You don't need a lot, but if you put it on ahead of time, it'll stop it from forming in the first place. Okay, so you mentioned estrogen. So do you think that people that deal with melasma have too much estrogen? They're not detoxing it enough each month? You know what? You said the right word there. See, that's a perfect way to put it. So I don't think it's too much estrogen. I think that the, the detox, so what you call a detox, I call metabolism. Okay, yep, same thing. The same word, same, same yep. thing. So we could use, because detox is probably a better word. But I think that women that, that struggle with melasma probably have one of their little engines that take. So we have enzymes, enzymes turn this hormone into that. When you throw it inside the factory, the factory twists around and throws it out the other side. Those little factories are, are enzymes. I would assume that their enzymes probably are not working at full capacity. So what they end up doing is putting a lot of waste products out. Hmm. And so I would think women that struggle with melasma stuff, I would be curious to see when menopause and perimenopause come, I think, and I would be curious because I don't have to live through any of it. So I don't have to be concerned. I can just be curious, but I would be curious to see how their hot flashes are versus someone who doesn't have those issues and see if maybe there's, because there's about seven enzymes that are really insufficient at times. And that creates these hydroxylated estrogens and, and what we consider to be bad estrogens. And I, I would be curious to see what happens with people with those problems and fat redistribution. So, yep. I should have just said yes. Yeah. I think there's a problem with detox. <laughs> okay. With too much extra estrogen. So you think yeah. maybe as they go through perimenopause and menopause, those people without these enzymes working as well, they might have worse hot flashes. They'll have different. I think you'd see a complete, I think if somebody did a study, it would be different. So I would, I think that they could be different. I would be worried about feminine dryness and I would be worried about Fat redistribution is one that I really worried about because as soon as your fat moves from your hips and chest and it moves to the midsection, that, when it's in your hips, as much as people don't believe it, but actually having weight in your hips has been found to be beneficial for a longevity of life. Oh, well, good. As soon as, that, as soon as it moves <laughs> from the hips and butt, it moves to the stomach, you die faster. And so that's the reason why men die like seven years earlier than, than women because we have bad fat and you have good fat. And so I would be curious about fat redistribution in that age group and insulin sensitivity as well, because I think that that could be a precursor to really struggling with 
insulin sensitivity as well, because you're going to have rogue estrogens. I'd be very curious to see. I mean, this is all speculation and my nerd talk went way too far. So no, that's fine. So I'm just going to try to simplify it for people. So you think that possibly these people that deal with melasma have maybe excess estrogen, which then you're saying can affect their insulin resistance and their fat distribution. Yeah, I, I think that if you're seeing melasma, that there could be an easy correlation to having estrogen issues later in life. And it could be insulin resistance. It could be worse menopause or perimenopausal states. And, and it would be also one that I would make sure I would be looking to see if I would look at your methylation process too, because those would be things. So yes, if you're getting melasma, I don't think it's a single, singular item. I think it's, it's a good clue in the mystery that is your health. I love that. You touched on methylation and I heard you do a podcast recently about methylation. And I think methylation is key maybe for a lot of these women that have the excess estrogen, things like that. Correct? Right. Well, I mean, if you ask the Europeans, it's 50% of people can't methylate. If you ask the United States, it's 30%. So one out of three people have an insufficiency to be able to do that. There's not very many things you can say one out of three. Right. Which is really high. So I want to actually do a whole podcast with you on methylation because I have um, the MTHFR variant, which I know a lot of people do. And if you have that, you struggle with methylation. And you struggle with mood and you struggle with infertility and you struggle with skin issues and you struggle with thyroid and you struggle because you don't, if you don't have, so the methylation is the UPS of, of, of our body. It delivers what it needs, where it needs to be. And if you can't, do that, then you're like, well, my stomach's always sick and I am now I'm gluten intolerant and, and then I'm always tired and my hair doesn't grow great. And, and you think you've got 7,000 things, but then you start looking and say, could it be just this one or at least contributing? And I think methylation is the best part about methylation is it's so easy and cheap to, to treat. And the down, the side effect is, you know, the $20 you spend in the supplement and the rest of it, you pee out anyway. I mean, what else can you have like zero side effects to just see if it helps? So, okay. So when you say it's easy to treat, what's your um, way to treat it? If you've got to make sure you're, you've got a methylated folic acid and meth- methylated B12, you've got to make sure you have plenty of those. And if you have a family history of any sort of clarification issues. So if somebody took birth control, and they had clots, anybody, a cousin, an aunt, you probably want to start looking at maybe taking a baby aspirin because of the chances of blood clots go up substantially. That's the risk with taking birth control. There's a risk between taking hormones and clots, and it took them a long time to figure out most of that might just be this methylation issue. We really went sidetracked. We were talking about melasma, which went to estrogen, that went to methylation, and... I told you I'm a chatty Kathy. I go all over the place. We could talk for four hours. Uh, I know I could too. No, I'm, <laughs> I'm really glad you answered all those questions. But now I'm going to go back to melasma for one more question. But maybe this has to do with the methylation. Do you think that people deal, that deal with melasma may have some nutritional deficiencies? I think that they may have some areas in nutrition where they need to supersede it. So a deficiency means you're not getting enough according to a standard that's set by the government which is great because they had to set a number. But we all live in a bell curve. And I think there are certain individuals that do need to eat better and eat different because they just don't have the machinery to produce what they need to. So they have to keep their factories healthier. So I would say that that supplementation of the diet, it would be key for someone that's seeing multiple 
and it has nothing to do with like, well, it says I took 200%. That may not be enough for you. That number was just obscurely thrown out there as a middle road for everybody. So yes, I do think so. Okay. So I have loved talking to you about all of these different skin issues and sunscreen versus sunblock. I learned something new there and all these summer things. Um, what do you want to tell, because I have a lot of moms that listen to this podcast, what advice do you want to give them going into the summer? Watch what your kids eat. I know this sounds funny, but I've just had so much success lately with gut health with kids. And during the school year, you have no choice because they go to school and it's pizza day or you go to school and there's, they just eat what they want to eat. During the summer, as hard as it is, you, it's a good time to start establishing better. I just had two kids being able to, that severely anxious and really struggled and had tons of stomach pain all year. And, and their mom finally just put her foot down and had them eat better. We put them on a prebiotic and a postbiotic along with their probiotic. And the kids like run around and happy and everything's different. So I know this is just one more thing on mom's plates and they're already overwhelmed and it hasn't even started yet, but it is such a good time of year to establish better stomach health to see if you can get rid of some of their anxious behavior, some of their, if your stomach's not right, nobody acts right. So I would get after that food. I would, I would see if you, by giving them more fiber, get rid of some of those chicken nuggets. If you can't get those kids just to be happier in general. I love that advice. I just did a reel at Costco showing things that have more fiber in it. I just did a post about, you know, different swaps you can do to add more fiber into your diet because you're right. The gut affects our mood tremendously, more so than people realize. And the fiber feeds the good bacteria in the gut. So if we can feed those good guys, it can really help with kids' moods and, you know, things like that. So I love that advice for the parents to really take this summer to feed their kids healthy. Thank you. For it's that. the best time. Cause if, if all the friends are eating pizza, they're not going to go and reach for the broccoli. So you got to do it when you have control. Yeah, exactly. Will you tell my listeners where they can find you and everyone listening, go follow him because I promise you, you will not be bored following him. You will be <laughs> so entertained, but you will also learn so much as you're being entertained. So tell them where they can find you. So I'm on Instagram, TikTok, and YouTube, and it's Phil's My Pharmacist with an S. So it's Phil's, because if you just go fill your pharmacist, they'll get mad at you. So you want to Phil's My Pharmacist. Um, that's the best place to find. And also I'm up here in Logan. So if you're in Cache Valley and you haven't come see me, I, I really am sitting inside my store right now. So I am here all the time. And I actually love it when people come in because it, I like having value into people's lives. I think I'm old enough now that I don't want fame or fortune because those bring downsides to it. But what I do like is when somebody comes in and says this little bit of ice helped, that encourages me to keep going because anybody that's in this business knows it is like a monster all by itself to keep yourself engaged to keep going because it's so hard. So come see me. I'm up here in Logan, Utah as well. You're so true about this being a hard monster. There are many great things about social media, but being on it can sometimes be tough, but you're on um, Instagram and TikTok and YouTube, correct? That's correct. Yes. I'm on all three. So, and if you come to Phil's my pharmacist, I'm there and we, it's the best, it's sometimes the best part of my day, putting out those reels and being able to just create. And I, you get to see who I am inside because I no holds barred. I, I really go after it. So. I love it. Thank you so much for all that you do for everybody. Thank you for educating everybody. And thank you so much for being on the show today. 
This was so much fun. Thank you so much for having me on the show. It was awesome. Well, thank you. And really, I hope you come back a second time because as we started talking about methylation, I was like, I've got too much to talk to him about. And then you started talking about gut health and I'm like, we could do a whole nother episode. So hopefully you'll come back for a part two. Anytime you want. Actually, I want to bump into you at the grocery store and then we can compare our carts because mine will be Pop-Tarts and yours will be healthy. So, Oh, maybe next time I'm in Logan, we should go grocery shopping together. It'll be fun, I think. I that, think I think to see how a dad shops versus a mom shop. I think you and that, I could have a good time. With that would be fun. We will have yeah, to Yeah, anytime you that. want me, I would come back. I loved it. All right. Well, thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you so much for listening. Remember to subscribe to the Just Ingredients podcast to learn more about your health and good ingredients to life. Plus, get daily tips at just.ingredients on Instagram.